0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back again to the Hard-Hitting Sports Podcast. My name is Jordan Lauby. As always, I'm joined by Jack Bradley here on a very snowy Tuesday night, uh, maybe Wednesday when you guys are listening to this. But Jack, how are you enjoying the weather tonight?
1: I'm enjoying it. It's really good. Uh, thanks for listening again, everybody. Glad I don't sound like absolute dog water this time around.
0: <laughs>
1: for those of yeah. you who have TikToks. <laughs>
0: I'm sure everyone does at this point. Jack got a got a new mics so and now he sounds as professional as me. Woo! So, yeah, but I uh, hope everyone's having a great day, uh, great week um, so far. Had an awesome weekend with football. Great championship games all around, no matter how they turned out. I know I'm happy with my bracket so far. Only yeah, two was, games wrong. I was gonna say, away. shout out
1: to you, Jordan, picking the Super Bowl correct. Uh, yep. that's impressive. I can vouch for the people at home who don't know Jordan. He was absolute. I don't want to start using dog water every other word, but he, <laughs> he, he, his bracket struggled the past few years and he's come back this year. I know personally, I, my bracket was a little rough picking the saints to win it all, but Hey, I thought Drew Brees was going to pull a Peyton Manning, but, uh, no, awesome. Awesome job, Jordan with the picks and you had, you have Kansas city winning it all. Don't you? Yeah,
0: Kansas city, 35, 31.
1: Nice. Well, will so. be a great game. Um, for those joining for the first time, as always, welcome. Uh, how we're going to break this episode down, we're going to go through the two games that happened in the NFL. We'll talk about some NFL news. Uh, then we'll go into the NBA, go over what's been going pretty busy week in the association, and then we'll head into baseball. Uh, a lot of news in baseball, a lot of stuff happening. We're recording at 7.05 on Tuesday night. We just had the Hall of Fame announcement, a lot of moves being made, so Lot to talk about there. Uh, for those usually who listen to, we usually go into our picks for the next week. Since there's a bye week this week, though, we will be saving our Super Bowl preview for next week. For sure. So without any further ado, Jordan, you wanna you wanna kick us off with the Bucks and Packers?
0: Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, I'm gonna start out with my shitter. The uh, the Packers offensive line, they did not look like the All-Pro offensive line like they looked the past couple of weeks and all season long. Um, granted the Buccaneers front seven, is just unbelievable getting Vita Vay back was huge. Um, we predicted that last week that he would be good to go and he was indeed good to go and he didn't get a whole lot of playing time, but when he was in, he was stuffing Aaron Jones. He was forcing pressure up the middle, forcing Rodgers to get out of the pocket, which he does well in, but definitely he's more comfortable in the pocket. Uh, but Corey Lindsley did not do a good job. Elton Jenkins was just not doing great. Uh, Billy Turner and Rick Wagner on the edges. That was probably their worst game of the season, both collectively. Um, yeah, it just was not a good game for the Packers offensive line. Shaq Barrett and JG, uh, JPP combined for five sacks. So it's tough when you give up five sacks only to two edge rushers and you got everyone else you got to worry about uh, in the interior, any blitzing DBs because the Bucks blitz more than anyone else in the NFL. Um, something I really like that Bruce Arian said before the game, uh, or during practice all week, so once you start thinking of the Super Bowl, you'll get your ass beat. So I really <laughs> like that uh, tidbit there. Sounds and like I think,
1: Bill Belichick saying.
0: Yeah, sort Not of. as Not
1: as blunt, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think halfway through that game into the third quarter, you start realizing, hey, you're up 28-10. We can coast a little bit. And it almost got away from them. And it honestly should have with all the mistakes they were making on yeah. all offense, defense, got figured out. Um, so... But Bucks were able to prevail. A lot of things ended up going their way, which I'm sure you and I will talk about. Um, but shout out to Maurice Jones-Drew, uh, former running back in the NFL, uh, future Hall of Famer. MJD. Sure. Yeah, he uh, he predicted on Wednesday that Jairi Alexander, who only had one interception on the year, I uh, was going to pick off Brady twice and he did just that kind of questionable how those picks happened. Not questionable, but like they were, they were kind of gimmies, but um, still got to be in the right place at the right time. And he was definitely there for those. So Jack, what did you think about the game?
1: Great game. It was a really great game. It was interesting to see the Packers come back. Uh, it felt almost like a Falcons like feel a little bit for Tom Brady, but they ended up holding on. Uh, the biggest takeaway for me in this game was the turnovers or the points off turnovers throughout the game. Uh, we saw that the Bucs, uh, Brady was intercepted three times. The Packers only got six points. They got that one touchdown to make it 28-23 and then failed the two-point conversion. The other two times weren't able to go down the field and score and take advantage of those interceptions, where the Bucks on the Packers' uh, interception and fumble basically scored. The, I'm pretty sure they scored the exact next play after those uh, after those turnovers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, interception. T- okay, sorry. there's an interception. Bucks had a five-play 51-yard drive in 27 seconds. That was the uh, yes. Scotty Miller touchdown at the end there, at the end of the first half. And then the Packers came out and fumbled that next drive. And then on the first play, they had an eight-yard touchdown. Uh, I believe it was to Cameron Bury. Yeah, so that was really the biggest key of the game. We saw it last week. Breeze had three turnovers or Breeze had three turno- turnovers, they had the fumble and the Bucks scored a touchdown on three of those turnovers. The fourth one, the, the third Breeze interception and the fourth turnover, the Saints were, or the Bucks were basically able to run out the clock. So the turnovers, the points off turnovers was huge. The, the Packers with the offense that they have, I know Aaron Jones was pretty banged up, but they weren't able to take advantage of that. And then the the other thing I just have is my shitter of the week. I do have the I don't want to say Matt Lafleur's decision making because he's gotten them to two straight a- NFC Championship games, but not going for it on that fourth and goal at the end to kick the field goal. At that point, what do you have to lose? It's not like Tampa's going to go down and kick a field goal. You know they're going to just try and run the clock out. I know his decision making. He said he felt like he had that extra timeout because they kicked the field goal with 2:02 left. There was 2:02 left when they got the ball, so they had the, basically a fourth timeout. But their offense or their defense couldn't stop them. So tough call there. You know, Aaron Rodgers sounded pretty upset about it. But at the end of the day, I think you got to go for it there. You have not don't say you have nothing to lose, but really you do have nothing to lose because you score a touchdown there, you're right there. Um, you know, and a field goal didn't make a difference. If it would have made it a three-point game or a two-point game, like maybe you start to do it because then you don't need to drive all the way down the field if you get the ball back. But at the same time, a field goal there really it made it a five-point game. It didn't really make it a, a three-point game or less than that. So tough loss for the Packers. Couldn't take advantage of turnovers. But hey, Brady, Tom Brady's tenth Super Bowl. Tom Brady's played in I think they said now eighteen percent, or will have played in eighteen percent of all Super Bowls. So that's. Good for him. Good for him to lead that Tampa Bay team. They're in his home stadium, so good for
0: him. Yeah, I think that's awesome. They're the first team ever in NFL history to play in their own stadium on Super Bowl Sunday. Shout out to the Bucs. Shout out to Bruce Arians, that offense, defense, special teams. Everything clicking all together finally towards the end of the year. Uh, Since week 13, uh, Tom Brady is the highest graded quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus, with a 94.8 grade. That just shows Brady knows when to turn it on. Uh, that was after their bye week, by the way. So it wasn't just like they're ignoring other stats. It's literally right after the bye week when they they played 12 weeks straight, which is very tough to do in the NFL, play 12 straight to start your season. And to have the start of the season they did to turn it around and go on a seven-game win streak, including their playoff run so far, uh, just shows the type of team that the Bucs are and what they're going to bring to the Chiefs come yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. So, shout out to the Bucks, Great game by them. Uh, definitely want to talk about some of the calls that were made.
1: Um, one, one thing I just still wanted to say, in it. addition to that, with the bye week happening, um, that's huge because t- like guys like Tom Brady, who didn't have a full regular offseason and a preseason to get on the same page with his guys, had that extra week. So, not giving that all the credit, but that definitely had a big factor, and that's when you start to s- started to see them turn it around after that last loss. So, back to you Jordan.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Jack. Uh, that does give a lot of help though. That bye weeks, people just think like, Oh, like you probably took the whole week off of practice. Like there's a lot of things you work on in a bye week Um, obviously you have a little bit of fun. You do some fun competition stuff that you would never do in a regular NFL week, but you can go more, look more into tendencies. You can check out what you're doing that other teams could catch on to. You do extra study on your next couple of opponents rather than just looking to the next opponent. Um, you try new things to practice, see how different formations and looks work. So there's a lot you can do during the bye week and not to mention the extra recovery time of getting all that time off, which is huge. Um, Absolutely. so, and especially teams that play sometimes on Sunday night, then they got to turn around for Thursday. Then they get a big, weird 10-day break. The bye week is definitely a consistent piece to every team's success throughout an NFL season. So everyone appreciates it, and the Bucs especially are appreciating it as they made a Super Bowl run since then. And
1: now Um, they get another bye week.
0: Yes, they do. (laughs) Two bye weeks in the same year. I mean, look at the Chiefs. They're about to get their third bye week. Like, that's huge huge. for a team in an NFL season. To say within – what, what week would we're into week 21 now? It's going to be week 22 by Super Bowl. 21 or 22. Yeah, 21 or 22. Um, to have three bye weeks and 22 weeks in the NFL is huge. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but I do want to talk about the officiating because I think, in the, I don't want to say the casual NFL fan, but people that watch football regularly and do, and I don't want to say haven't played. I'm just going to say straight up, if you aren't an official, take a step back and look at it from their perspective because there were multiple calls in that game that we see from the sky view super slow-mo. and We're like, hey, how did you not make that call? How did you not see that? Each ref has a, a specific area they look at. They all don't look at the play. They all don't look at what the cameras are looking at, and there's only seven on the field at a time um and if they're looking at one specific player they're not doing their job effectively um except the head referee he's responsible for the quarterback in the surrounding area that's the only player that can actually look at one specific guy the entire play um so the couple plays I'm talking about obviously the hold on Devonte Adams on the interception by Sean Murphy Bunting uh that I believe it was Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean held Alan Lazard on a crossing route and then the pass interference at the very end of the game that ended up uh that did get called on Kevin King uh which pretty much sealed the deal for the Bucks I hear a lot of people complaining about it uh how the refs were calling for Tom Brady um I I just say to you how were the calls the rest of the game did they call the game fairly other than those three plays
1: that was a and i said it last week it's been a very well officiated playoffs Mm -hmm. for them for people to speculate on one call i get it it's tough but if you're a ref and you see a handful of jersey especially when you grab the jersey at that because i think that last play that one i think it was godwin got held um yes that i mean you see you see a handful of jersey as a ref you're gonna call that plain and simple like that that's a penalty it is a penalty i know they were letting a lot go it seemed like but they've been letting a lot go all playoffs. so it's tough it's it's tough to say oh like i think you actually said to me the other day jordan you if you miss a call earlier it doesn't mean you make a makeup call i know a lot of sports fans will say that but you don't make a makeup call you just call the game as is still even the biggest blunder in the world you still ref the game as is so My two cents is the casual fan on it.
0: (laughs) Exactly. No, and and that's a great point. And if you think about the ref that's supposed to be making that call, it's a crossing route, which most of the time in in football, if one player's crossing one way, another player's crossing another way. And in that particular instance, there's a player that ran ahead of him and cut to the outside when he was cutting inside. So in that brief moment where there was a hold, the ref could have had his point of view blocked on making that call and the sean murphy bunting one i'm not really sure how that one was missed because that was right on the sideline so i don't know what i'm not sure what the sideline judge was looking at and what the back judge was seeing so that one was definitely a little errant and definitely should have been a call but the one on carlton davis or jamel dean whoever it was it, it might have been uh murphy bunting again um that i just see that and i'm like that's such a hard angle to see from, from the yeah. rest perspective at full speed on ground level with 20 other players running around besides those two. So it's, it's tough. I, I mean, I've officiated flag football before I've officiated basketball. Like it's a completely different level of play, but the speed at the NFL level, is so much faster. Um, you have to be more aware. You have to know like what's going on. And it's just, it's just tough being an NFL ref in today's with today's athleticism and the criticism, social media, slow, social media, slow motion replay showing you the perfect angle on a play that they do not see. So yeah. I'm a big ref advocate. I'm biased. I was a ref. Um, So and
1: I, I will say that last year on Jordan's washed up Wednesdays, he did have a huge long rant about the refs. I don't remember which week it mm-hmm. was. So he's not out here saying that. You know like oh i love all the refs i love all refs like he knows when they suck (laughs) he knows when they're bad so
0: exactly so it's and and perfect example is the viking saints game with kyle rudolph in the end zone that's a clear pass interference both are hand fighting and right at the end kyle rudolph shoves him and the back judge is standing right there looking dead at the play you could see his eyes are fixated on kyle rudolph uh same thing with the saints rams refs are looking in the direction Of that pass interference i believe is on nickel roby coleman was the one that had that pass interference those are the type of plays that i'm like how can you not see that on a short crossing route with three other guys crossing over the top i get how you can miss that because there's a lot of commotion it's a short play it's not an intense situation in the game so that makes sense but am i saying that it's right or wrong no but they made it right by making the right call later in the game like you said jack so that's all I have to say on it. I think it was a very good officiated game. Like you said, the officiating in the playoffs has been great so far, and I hope it continues for the Same. Super
1: Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so not take too much away from the games itself. I guess we want to hop into Bill's Chiefs now, so I guess I'll get started with that one since since you started with the NFC. But Chiefs been doing what they've been doing for the last two-plus two years. You can make the argument, too, that Brady doesn't get the ball to start that AFC championship game in 2018. The Chiefs are in three straight Super Bowls. Say it. It's it's, it's a fact. I mean, it's not a fact, but if it happened, you never know. So Chiefs, I, I, th- I actually said it to you again, Jordan. We, Jordan and I were watching the games this weekend, COVID-friendly, just so everyone knows. But uh, when they got down to 9 nothing, I go, oh, no, can the Chiefs come back? It's not a 10-point game. Chiefs did just that, came right back. Really no questions to be asked. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are basically cheat codes. They combined for 290 yards of, of receiving. Um, and Tyreek had a pretty big run. No, that was the that was McCole Harmon actually had that huge run. But Chiefs get down early. Uh, they they were down 9 nothing. McCole Harmon had that fumble. You saw him on the bench kind of look defeated, but came back with a huge play. Ended up scoring, uh, having a touchdown catch as well. Uh, good rushing attack by by the Chiefs as well. Daryl Williams I believe had 50 52 yards. So they were able to spread the ball out. Um, big plays as always with the Chiefs is the kind of the case. Um and they and they held the Bills the Bills intact. They had a few turnovers. They were putting a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. Got to him a bunch. So huge shout out to the Chiefs. Um, my hitter of the week was actually the Chiefs defense just because really the only time they gave up one I don't want to say legit touchdown, but the McColl Hardman fumble. They were let—they were left on the three-yard line. Other than that, they played great. They had a great – they forced a bunch of turnovers. Buffalo recovered that onside kick at the end, and they were able to basically just force a field goal attempt after all that. There was some penalties at the end there after a huge brawl. But uh, overall, solid performance by the Chiefs defense. They were doing what they did last year in the playoffs. Last year, they were shutting down Derrick Henry. They figured it out against Houston after being down 24-0. So – I think we're in for a great Super Bowl. Um, Also, one note I did want to make too, Cole Beasley played pretty much the whole postseason and probably more with a broken leg. So he was their leading receiver the other night. So shout out to Cole Beasley. He's had a great year. That Bills receiving core really has had a great year. Josh Allen had a great year. So shout out to the Bills. They'll definitely be back. They'll definitely be a force in the future. But uh, at the end of the day, the the Chiefs offense is just too much for teams.
0: Yeah, Cole Beasley, ever since he got to Buffalo, been a completely different receiver than what he was when he was with the Cowboys. Uh, This is the best season of his career by far. Um, Absolute stud. And like you said, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, both had great games. Uh, Tyreek Hill showing why he is a top five receiver in the NFL, which is somehow still debated. I don't know how it is. Um, I think it's the misconception. Like, Oh, he's just fast. He's not a good receiver. I'm like, do you see his routes? Do you see his cuts, his hands? Like, He's had two incredible catches this year. One was not ruled to catch and they decided not to challenge it against the Broncos. Um, If you don't want to, don't know what I'm talking about. Look up Tyree kill non catch against the Broncos this season. Unbelievable catch he had. Um, And then he had another one on his thigh this game, Uh, or it might've been last game, but still either way. Um, Tyree kill just showing why he's a top five receiver. Um, and he does not have a second gear. He has one gear. He's <laughs> yeah, either cheating. feeder still or he's going. It's just unbelievable receiver, unbelievable talent. And you pair that with the size and skill of Travis Kelsey in the past. He, he's literally just a six foot five wide receiver, making guys miss, running through you. Uh, he was my hitter of the week, uh, 13 catches, 118 yards and two touchdowns. Only reason why I picked him over Tyreek was because Kelsey did find ways to score and made a huge impact in the run game. I know they didn't run the best, but still his run blocking, Barnard, was very good against a great Bills defense. Um, so, again, great game by the Chiefs, great game by the Bills. Um, do want to point out, though, Josh Allen had the lowest PFF grade um, one of his season so far and of all the championship QBs that game with a 56.5. The next lowest, I believe, was an 81 by Aaron Rodgers. Um, so that that just goes to show wh- how much how much of that game weighed on Josh Allen's performance. But again, a lot of that was offensive line issues. Uh, they locked down Stephon Diggs the entire game. Couldn't get their run game going. Uh, Tyran Matthew was just a monster in the run game, as he always is. So yeah. again, great game by the Chiefs.
1: Yeah. One thing I did want to throw out there too. I forgot to mention this earlier, but about the chiefs defense too. I know you're mentioning it with Matthew uh, two of five, the bills only scored two touchdowns on five red zone possessions. Um, and one of them was from the three yard line. They ended up getting an interception and then t- the two field goals. Um, so, I mean, that, that's going to be a factor against the uh, Tampa Bay. I know Tampa Bay was able to score off turnovers against the saints. They did it against green Bay. So if Mahomes doesn't turn the ball over, it's going to be tough for Tampa Bay to win. But uh, that red zone defense of, of kansas city is going to be tricky and we know how much buffalo likes to throw in the red zone we know tampa has uh playoff lenny and rojo who can run pretty effectively and you see the amount of of i mean godwin evans ab coming back great when gronk's like your third option you know you have a lot of you have a lot of options there but that'll be a, a pretty interesting thing to see going into the super bowl but we will get to that next week fun people
0: yeah i mean I'm just super excited. I'm happy. I'm
1: hyped. I'm hyped.
0: I'm hyped Brady's in his tenth. I'm happy I guessed it right from yeah, the jump in the Shout to you. Hey, I got yeah.
1: the, I got the Chiefs right, even though that was almost a layup. <laughs> yeah, that was for the <laughs> what most they've part. done this year. But cool. Yeah. Well, uh in Ooh, one terms one more of, thing oh, I yeah.
0: do I do wanna mention. Um Josh Allen is a clown he's hilarious <laughs> did you see him chuck the football at the guy who brought yes down well he it?
1: got a penalty for that they did yeah, call that a penalty that. I did yeah. see that that was I that thought was, that was hilarious that was, he knew they were pretty much toast after that yeah
0: he started he, it. <laughs> he did yeah and he, he was so that. casual with it just a yeah. little flick of the wrist yeah just it, just it like, took oh, us replay to off. figure
1: out the shit he did but yeah nah but cool yeah. Uh, Jordan, so we actually had a pretty good amount of moves. Uh, I guess, do you want to start with Philip Rivers since that happened, what, 12 hours after we stopped recording?
0: Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, Philip Rivers uh, did indeed retire after 17 seasons. Um, great quarterback. Say what you want about him. I know I think he has the ugliest throwing motion and I mean, he throwing does. The mechanics of an NFL quarterback I've ever seen. But to still do what he did in his career, with the talent, I, besides Antonio Gates and then Keenan, Keenan Allen late in his career, he never really had a true stud. Um, you can make the smith that uh, Malcolm Jenkins was the guy. Um, Vincent Jackson was also someone that he could have looked to. Lt, but uh, Lt yeah, obviously but, uh, but Antonio Gates. Oh yeah, he's Lt was unbelievable. Antonio Gates obviously more receiving touchdowns than any tight end ever. Yeah. Um, other than that, Philip Rivers didn't really have anyone to go to. I feel like guys like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Brady have always had signature guys to go to their entire career. Philip Rivers did have Antonio Gates most of his career, and Antonio Gates was great up until the end when he started getting hurt and um, was just not the same tight end that he was. And then Keenan Allen showed up late, but even at the beginning of Keenan Allen's career, he missed two or three seasons with torn ACL. Yeah. So. Phillip Rivers did a great job. Um, a lot of people said he was done after last season, goes to the Colts, brings them to playoffs, shows why he can still get it done, and decides to hang it up. So, again, it's another team in the quarterback carousel getting ready to find a, yeah. a new guy going into this season.
1: This, uh, this offseason is going to be interesting. Uh, it's almost half the league looking for, team, or looking for quarterbacks, so yep. that's going to be very interesting. And even teams that have a quarterback, like, for example, Houston and Miami – potentially could make a splash somewhere. Uh, One thing about Rivers I did just want to throw out there. I actually, we actually put a poll out for it. Do you think Rivers is the best quarterback to never play in a Super Bowl? Uh, A lot of people, it was about 50-50 split. It's it's hard to tell. Some of the guys he's been compared to is Warren Moon and uh, Dan Fouts, former Charger quarterback. So uh, in terms of the numbers, Rivers was definitely a little bit better. Played in more, played in a lot more games than Fouts. Played 17 years compared to Fouts, 14. I believe Fouts had some injury uh rivers career record 134 and 106 fouts 86 84 and one uh different era rivers threw for almost 2,000 more yards 170 more touchdowns but again like i said playing in a different era so hard to kind of compare and contrast but i think at the very least rivers is a top two or three quarterback to never play in a super bowl i think between him warren moon dan fouts you could throw randall cunningham in there um, not too much of a football history now, but i think those three are kind of the top names we get, and kind of more so the modern era, like since the Super Bowl, I would say. I know there's been a few guys before, but that was also before the Super Bowl too.
0: <laughs> For sure, and I'll agree with you there. I think all those names are great to throw on there. Um, I do think he is one of the best QBs to never play in a Super Bowl. It's kind of surprising when you look at his track record and his stats. Um, and his best shot to get in, I think it was 2009. Oh,
1: seven. Oh, 07, they played the... Hats in the championship game when they were yes. 16 and 0. 06. They were t- 14 and 2. I think that was Rivers's first or second year. I think that was his first year actually, right after Breeze and the Patriots upset them in San Diego. There was a couple big fumbles um yeah. in that game, but and a missed and, field goal at the end.
0: Yeah. And I do want to reference the 2009 season because they are the only three, team in yeah. NFL history uh or was it 2010 it might have been it was
1: 2009 but like the playoffs went into 2010 i know they went 13 and 3 and were the 2c that year i remember
0: no so there was actually a particular year i believe they either went 9 and 7 or 8 and 8, eight and eight and
1: eight, 8 and 08 then they they That's made what um, it was. they made the playoffs uh did they make they the
0: won playoffs the, they,
1: they won the division and this is going off the top of my head i'm not even <laughs> looking at it right now Oh
0: really? um on. i
1: remember 08 they went 8 and 8 they beat the Colts, I believe the Peyton Manning led Colts in overtime. You can look it up. I'm like actually not looking it up right now. Okay. That's how that's how my little friends I had in middle school. Um, but <laughs> they I'm pretty sure they went into they got the home game too. I'm pretty sure they beat Indy. And Indy, I think Manning may have won the MVP that year, even too. And then I think they went into Pittsburgh, I want to say, and ended up losing.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Because now, now that I'm thinking about it, it might be the 2010 season because that season, they were the first team in NFL history to have the number one ranked offense, the number one ranked defense, and not make a Super Bowl. So wow. I want you to take a guess. What was the reason why they did not – or no, 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 not even make playoffs. I was going to
1: say because, yeah. They right. didn't
0: even make playoffs that year. So can you tell me why they did not make playoffs that year despite having the see, number one See, I only, I only know the playoff
1: teams, Jordan. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, let's see. Was North Turner the coach that year? Something to do with. I
0: believe North North Turner was the coach. That's probably not the reason, though. Not the reason. Tell me. Thirty-second ranked special teams Ah. in all phases. Hmm. So, uh, they were they had the best offense bar none, best defense bar none, and I think they lost the first three games by combined seven points. So, and a lot of it was on missed field goals, muff punts. Uh, Their blocks got punt, uh, or their punts got blocked. Return touchdowns.
1: I know in that 2009 playoff game when they were 13 and three, I'm pretty sure the Jets were nine and seven. I want to say they lost 17, 14 and mm-hmm. Nate Kading was an, was a Nate pro Kading, bowler yeah. that year and missed three, three field goals, which ended up being yep. the difference. So
0: yeah, you're bringing me That's way right. back when they came. I was going to say,
1: yeah, I can bring that, bring that into 2010, but yeah, we'll see. I think, I think he'll get in eventually probably not for definitely not for his ballot compared to the guys retiring this year with them with the breeze and stuff. But I think he'll get in eventually if, if guys like Fouts and Warren Moon, obviously, are getting in. I think he'll get in.
0: For sure. So, cool. uh, again, Philip Rivers, great quarterback. Um, yeah. Not much. Oh, best trash talker ever.
1: Yeah. And doesn't swear either. Doesn't swear. Most kids as well. Him and Antonio yes. Cromartie were former <laughs> teammates, so they have a lot of kids. Yes. Uh,
0: the graphic earlier this year between the Chargers and Bengals yeah. for that game was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. That was great. That's awesome.
1: Uh, um, let's see. What do you, you want to go do next? You want to yeah, want to talk I'll some – Coaching just, or talk some quarterback?
0: Yeah, I'll just list a couple more things. Uh, Greg Olson and Vance McDonald both retired. Uh, Greg Olson, most notable for his impressive 2015 season with the Panthers. And Vance McDonald, best known for his nasty stiff arm on Chris Conte on Monday Night Football. Uh, one of the nastiest stiff arms in NFL history. Uh, shout out to both of them. Good careers for both, especially Greg Olson. Playing Greg Olson on. Hall of Famer? Question mark? Uh, I would say You don't say have to get into
1: the debate now, but I, no. I've seen some people list the list, like, who are the top six tight ends? And it's like, it's like Shannon Sharp, Gronk, Tony Gonzalez, and then it's like Greg Olson. And the comments just go ballistic. They're like, what the fuck is Greg Olson doing <laughs> on here? Who's this fucking asshole? What the fuck I get? He broke his leg. It's like, dude, look at the... I mean, I don't think he's like that tier, but I think like... He's second tier if you look at the numbers, especially over like how many teams he played for. What he played for three or four different teams. Uh,
0: yeah, three or four. Yeah. Um, I'm and I'm going to say something. He was the Travis Kelsey before Travis Kelsey, okay. the guy that could line up out wide and run past the DB, and also the guy who could come inside and shove a defensive end back into the inside. So, yeah. um, Greg Olson again. Vance McDonald was good for probably two or three years. Definitely not Hall of Fame caliber, but no, again, a yeah. very good tight end, solid when, player.
1: Yeah. Uh, Helped yep. Help Pittsburgh win.
0: Yep. and then uh, Dwayne Haskins obviously signed to Pittsburgh. Quarterback, quarterback. Um, I know Big Ben's coming back. Um, I th- I heard Marquise Pouncey is retiring. I think hmm. that was very recent that came up. Uh, one of one uh, definitely a top five center um, throughout his career. He did a great job. Obviously not a top five overall, but during his time in the NFL. Was one of the best compared to all the other centers so great job a uh, great career for Marquise pouncey yep. uh, i didn't see any tweets on it but all my steelers uh friends are sharing on instagram that he is retiring so that could be a that could be a true story could be a false one who knows but let's get into the coaches because i know you want to talk about the eagle signing of a nicks uh sirianni is that how you say his name serrani so
1: nicky s is what i'm gonna call him because that's what nicky all the boys s. in philly are gonna call him with their Cheese sticks. Fun fact, for those of you who didn't know, I actually used to live right outside of Philadelphia for a mm-hmm. little less than a year, um, more, more closer, like nine months, but I, I don't really know too much about him. <laughs> I think he, I mean, he's an offensive guy. Obviously he has a great run defense. I think he'll bring a good ru- or good run defense. He's run for, he's run heavy uh, coming from the coming from the Colts with you saw what they did with that offensive line. So I think he's going to draft some O-linemen beef up that O-line I think he's going to – that Mark Ingram pick you said I think last week or two weeks ago about him going to the Eagles, I could definitely see that. I think they're going to pound the ball. Miles Sanders is definitely going to be – they're going to hope he's a three-down back, but when they need power runs in the in the red zone and, and close to the goal line and on fourth and short, third and short, I think you're going to see a, a Mark Ingram-type guy. It might not necessarily be him go there. Um, so I, I think it'll be interesting. I think that offense is going to need – You know, some sort of kick in, and it'll be interesting to see the the who ends up being the quarterback. Because I don't think this necessarily means it's going to be Carson Wentz, but it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good pick. Um, I think it's more so a Band-Aid Like, hey, like we didn't keep Frank Reich. Let's bring in the guy closest to Frank Reich right now. Uh, Let's bring (laughs) Nick Essen, even though he doesn't call any of the plays in Indianapolis. Nicky, yeah. You, yes. Yeah, even though he doesn't call any of the plays in Indianapolis, let's just bring him in because he's learning from Frank Reich. So I think it's a fine it's a fine hiring. Um, if Mark Ingram does, doesn't get picked up, I'm also going to call Jamal Adams getting signed by the – or Jamal Williams. Oh, Williams, sorry, Williams. That Jamal. You did what I did last yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could see that too. That, that would be
1: a good – that would be a solid signing.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, he looks good in an Eagles uniform. I like him in the Packers, but I think he's a guy with his attitude and just his – his swag like would look good in an Eagles uniform. Yeah. So could definitely see that hiring um, would be a great one 2 punch between uh, him and Sanders um, and then just go over some other guys. Uh, Raheem Morris just got signed as the Rams defensive coordinator. This is my favorite hiring. Anthony Lynn goes to the lions as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I think the lions with Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn working in tandem. Go from a bottom offense to a mid-tier, maybe even an upper-tier offense. Um, it depends on what they do, uh, what quarterback they bring in. If they go quarterback for quarterback in the trade, or they 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 have the seventh overall pick, so the odds of them landing a QB that they want are very high in the draft.
1: Al Kuyper um, has uh, Fields there in his latest mock, his first mock draft. Yeah.
0: which I don't think Fields is slipping past the Jets. I don't. I don't think so Falcons. either. Or the Falcons. Yeah, um, even if Matt Ryan doesn't get traded or doesn't get Uh, something happens with him um Mm -hmm. i think the the falcons get justin fields if the jets pass up on him at worst i think the lions get maybe mac jones or trey lance or kyle trask um if they want to reach for kyle yeah um but again or they trade back you know trade matt stafford trade back get two more first round picks you know there's my bad what were you gonna say
1: no go ahead finish up No, just
0: I was of say, speaking of Matt Stafford, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the Jets have two first-round picks. I, obviously, they have a higher pick than the uh than the what's his face the Lions, but that could be a very weird what's trade. What's his They're, face
1: Lions?
0: Yeah, what's his face Lions? Has, that has a good ring to it. It does. That that'll be the next what's quarterback. What's face Lions? They'll get some Canadian Football League quarterback to be the the starter, or some like
1: wide receiver from Bryant University or something like that. Uh, Who oh knows? yeah, maybe like yeah, that. Yeah, something does? like
0: that. Maybe Matty Sewell will get a look at Tom <laughs> Kennedy will also. They'll be the new slot receivers taking over Dan yeah. <laughs> Um But some other moves. Uh, Gary Kubiak retired, uh, Super Bowl winning head coach with the Broncos in 2015. Um, retired briefly, then came back to be the Vikings offensive coordinator. He is now retired. To the, now this will be. Uh, that's, he's the sixth offensive coordinator for the Vikings in the past six seasons. Yeah. And think about how good their offenses, uh, success has been the past couple of years with six different OCs. Yeah. Um, obviously the defense has been the heart and soul for that team, but as of late, that offense and defense has been awesome. Uh, obviously this year was a little different. Uh, they didn't have Daniel Hunter, um, Xavier Rhodes went to the Colts, which he wasn't great in his last season with the Vikings, but definitely played a lot better this year. They could have used him. Um, but the Vikings are going to have to search for another OC. Um, I don't know if they already made the hiring, but we'll have to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, guess last two things. I know we talked a little bit about Stafford. It'll be interesting yeah. to see where he goes.
0: Mm, it's, okay. it's hard
1: to predict right now with half the league potentially looking for a quarterback.
0: Yeah. Uh, apparently there's a lot of – team's acquiring yeah. about uh, Matt <clears throat> Stafford so you could see him <laughs> maybe, maybe go to the Bears go to a rival I doubt they would yeah trade I doubt him they would there, trade but... him
1: there but or like the Packers even if who knows with Rodgers what the hell's going on there but... mm,
0: I, I think it's all just a I, I think um who said it I, I forget who said it but someone said it's just a, oh Joe Thomas uh former left tackle for the Browns said it's just a dig at the GM for always passing up on offensive opportunity yeah. in the draft and getting better defensive studs in the first round. Um, and I think it's just a, a jab at the GM saying, Hey, like I'm not going to walk, but I'm going to make it seem like I am. So this way you get off your ass and actually give me help, you know? Yeah. And especially, I don't think that offensive line is going to need help, but Rick Wagner was not the right answer. At right tackle. So maybe you'll get a right tackle in free agency or the draft.
1: Yeah, no, it will be interesting. We'll have a lot, a lot of football to talk about this off season with the, with the quarterback news. So I uh, guess we can pass it over to, to basketball, take it over to the association. I don't know, Jordan, yeah. you, want me, you want me to start with my hitter of the week? Yeah, go for it. Hit it. All right. So I'm going to go back to the same team we had a while back. I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz again. Uh, still haven't lost since the last time we recorded. They only played three games since the last time we recorded, two against the Pelicans, one against the Warriors. But the Jazz still firing on all cinder- cylinders. Jordan Clarkson's looking more and more like a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Uh, we see Rudy Gobert still playing great defense. I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the to the statistics and, and kind of how they're doing as a team. Um, they're right now, like obviously they're 12 and four, one of, the, one of the top teams in the league. I think they're either tied or about a half game back for uh, the Western Conference. One seed uh, behind the Lakers and Clippers. They might even be tied with them at this point. But the biggest thing for the Jazz right now is their three-point shooting. Uh, they're shooting at uh, 40%, which is like unheard of. Uh, they're shooting over 40%, which second in the league, it isn't even first, but shooting the three ball at 40% is huge. Their defense has been great. They're, they're, they're letting a lot of teams shoot three-pointers, but again, that's with Rudy Gobert in the paint, uh, not giving up a lot of two-pointers or shots close to the rim. They're first in total rebounding, uh, sixth in blocks of the team, so their defense has been great, and they're still the 11th highest scoring team in the league, despite mostly just shooting three-pointers. Um, in terms of like efficiency, they have one of the best, uh, effective field goal percentages, mostly because they are shooting threes. They're fourth in the league in that. Um, and then in terms of three point attempts, um, they're second in the league or third in the league in attempts second in free throw and three point percentage. One thing that would concern me though, if I was the jazz was my free throw percentage. Uh, they are shooting. They're only attempting the 28th, most free throws in the league and their, their free throw percentage is a seven, it's 71% which is only 28th in the league. So that'll something that I'll need to improve upon. But Donovan Mitchell stepping up, he's back to their, you know, up in the player efficiency rating and he's showing why he's definitely a superstar in that league mm-hmm. or that team.
0: Yeah. The Jazz have been unbelievable. They're on a great run right now. Um, obviously Donovan Mitchell, like we said last week, superstar in the making proving that he is still that uh, he's still going for that. Rudy Gobert defensively, I think he's being overlooked. I think he's making a much bigger impact than you my will defensive not see player on of the year pick. Yes. It's a great pick. Uh, he does things that you will not see on a stat sheet. Um, so great job all around for the jazz to be on the run that they are. Um, I really like the three point, uh, point you just brought up who's the number one team for three pointers do you know i need
1: to look into that um so they're they're the number one team in three pointers made but their three point percentage is second i even need to actually pull up uh the three point i can do that if you want to yeah up into your hitter of the week
0: for sure i'll get right into mine i have two how i normally do it um colin sexton both his games against the nets just went absolutely off played some of the best basketball he's played in his career um in 38 minutes in the first game gets 42 points that's incredible efficiency uh go 16 for 29 from the field five for 11 from three with uh five rebounds five assists two steals and a block uh great job on the defensive end dishing out to his teammates and his uh the chemistry with his teammates was even uh, on a bigger display uh I believe it was the following night two nights later when they played the Nets uh brought the assist from five to nine um, definitely did not shoot as sharp from three or from the field, but still in 30 minutes gets 25 points. That's a great job from someone who's averaging a little bit less than 25 points uh, in a game this year. Colin Sexton did an absolutely great job. And the other guy I do want to at least mention is Steph Curry uh, in a loss against the Jazz, as you were talking about moves to number two all yep, time for three huge. pointers right behind Ray Allen, I believe is yep, number Ray one. Ray
1: Allen's number one, Reggie number three. Now um, we're going to yep, see man. a lot of guys start, start passing Reggie, not nothing against Reggie or, or Ray, just the way of the game now.
0: Yeah. there. And I was looking at the list uh, yesterday and there's a lot of guys who are still playing who have probably five or six years left to shoot at least 200 or make 200 more three. So I think it's a no brainer that those guys will pass Reggie Miller. Um, yeah. But I believe Steph is still at least 400 or 500 behind Ray Allen, maybe even six. But he is, he's moving up there. He'll definitely be uh, the number one three point made guy by the time his career is over. Let's he's going to play. Till he least.
1: is, he's a 404, if my That's math is it. correct, behind yes. Ray Allen. Um, and then speaking, uh, just to answer your question about the Jazz, I, I wasn't able to pull it up, but three pointers per game. I know it's probably better to look at it on a per-game basis, yes. too, just in the NBA, especially right now with COVID and teams mm-hmm. playing four less games. So the Jazz are actually number one in three-pointers made per game. Awesome. Uh, but the team that leads in terms of 3 pointer shot per game or three-pointers made per game or total is the Raptors, which the is Raptors. a little surprising. They're starting to roll a little bit now. But, uh, but in terms Raptors. of that, yeah, the Jazz are, are have almost one more three-pointer made than the Raptors, they're at sixteen point eight a game, where the Raptors are at fifteen point nine, and they're shooting. Um, they're shooting a little bit less. Uh, they're shooting one less a game than the Raptors, roughly. And, and like I said, forty point three percent is huge. The team that leads the NBA in three point percentage right now is the Clippers, actually, uh, who are also on a little Ooh. run of their own. They were also in, in competition for my hitter of the week, but now I know they've just been. Di- I think Paul George maybe has COVID now. So, it's either George or Kawhi, I can't remember which one, but. Um, it's going to be tough for them but hey they're they're, they're playing really well too with Lu over there as their coach now and they're, they're right in the midst of the the top seed but as we know with the clippers it all comes down to how they play in the playoffs
0: it does for sure
1: so oh. um yeah any any word on uh you know teams that that didn't take off for you very well
0: yeah i'm gonna say the pelicans because i had them pretty high on my power rankings and just with that roster i thought they were a team that was going to go off Early in the year, we saw them beat the Bucks. They beat the Spurs, who obviously are getting a lot better now. Um, they beat a very good Thunder team early in the season. Um, and I say very good just based on record and what they were doing. But as of late, they've definitely fallen off, dropped two in a row to the Jazz. And yes, I get there, the Jazz. But in that first game, Zion yes. was the only player with more than uh, 20 points um their field percentage and three uh three-point percentage have been god-awful the past three games uh and then the latest on saturday they dropped to the timberwolves and they've had some covet issues as well uh which puts them as my shitter this week just now playing good basketball uh their team that probably has four guys that are studs uh you got zion brandon ingram steven adams and lonzo ball lonzo ball is definitely more of a role player now yeah uh, now that zion's healthy and they brought in steven adams so he's not putting up as many points as we all thought he was going to in the NBA. Uh, but even in his role-playing, he's not doing that great of a job. Uh, besides the assist totals, isn't playing that good of defense, is missing a lot of shots. I believe that second game against the Jazz, he went 0-for-6 from three. I know three-pointer is not his forte, but you expect more from – this is now his third year in the NBA. You expect more from a guy – Lonzo? That's, yeah, Lonzo. I'm going to say it's um, his fourth, actually, maybe. Fourth, even. actually. Yeah. Well, I know he spent one year with the Lakers and then got traded, and this is his second year with the Paladins. Yeah, I, I thought he was drafted
1: that. the same class as JT, as Jason Tatum. So I want to say – He might be.
0: Yeah, go look that up for me. I'm looking it up. I, I got the stats here. Yeah, but – Yeah, um, four, fourth year. He
1: was He was year. two. I remember Fultz went one, Ball went two, and Tatum – because the Sixers had the t- three and the Celtics had the one, and they didn't mm-hmm. want to draft Fultz when they still had IT. So they traded – paid off for the Celtics but um mm-hmm. yeah so um yeah his yeah. fourth year in the league
0: yeah I just think the Pelicans are a team that could be a lot better than what they're playing right now and again it's early in the year but and again it doesn't matter how you start it matters how you finish exactly. but you can't start 0-50 and then expect to make playoffs at 22-50 and yeah know?
1: it's 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 tough especially this year, like we said, with the less games, but there's the two more playoff teams. A lot of people had the Pelicans in as that, one of those latter half teams. So um, my shooter of the week, and I hate to do this because I love them, but I have the Phoenix Suns. They, granted, they did lose two games in overtime, both to the Nuggets, one in OT and one in double OT, but just down the stretch, I was watching the end of some of those games. They did have a win against the Rockets on uh, the 20th on Inauguration Day, but... Um, they've just looked rough. They've lost, I believe, four out of five now. Um, yeah, four out of five, five out of their last seven. So it's just been a little bit tough for them. I know their biggest kind of mishap was when they had in that Memphis game. I think it was on MLK day. I know that was a little bit ago, but they were winning that game. And then Memphis won an 11-2 run at the end. Uh, Booker missed a dunk at the end of that run. And then Paul had a, had a late go ahead, uh, attempt that, uh, went in and out and then just you know jamal murray went off against them so it's hard to stop guys like that but it's been really tough and that, that could cost them like we were kind of saying that could cost them a playoff spot or you know seeding even getting that getting into that top six of the t- top six of the west especially with denver starting to surge now i know they had a little bit of a rough start but Jokic is still Jokic is still Jokic, and, and murray's starting to come around and hit those clutch buckets so and if you're the Suns, I'd be a little bit worried, especially now. I know uh, Booker has a little bit of a hammy issue, so mm-hmm. the, he's their catalyst. I know we all give Chris Paul a lot of credit, but Devin Booker's the, the superstar on that team. And yes, I also, I know I said it last week, Devin Booker is also a superstar, in court, as well as John Donovan Mitchell. Um, and then just in terms of their defense, I know that I said the Jazz were shooting at 40% from three, but over the last 10 games, the, the Suns have allowed opponents to shoot over 40% from three, which you can't be doing. Um, against playoff teams in the West, your your schedule's really tough as is. Um, they got upcoming this week, they do have OKC, uh, the Warriors in Dallas, so it'll be interesting to see. They should be able to get back in some of those games, maybe have a two and one stretch, but rough past couple games for them. And I know they had some COVID issues as well,
0: yeah. And I think someone on that Suns team that I think should be able to shoot more than what they're allowing him right now is a, uh, I think it's Michael Bridges or McCall Bridges on an yeah. It. I believe it's Trans McCall. McCall. Yeah, but he's he's a guy that's been up and down all year. You know, one game goes 34 against the Pacers, and then the next game against the Wizards only gets 14. Yeah. Um, Two games against the Nuggets, he gets 24, goes 6 for 8 from 3 and gets 10 boards, and then the following night gets 11 points and goes 1 for 5 from 3. So yeah. he's a guy that I think once he gets more consistent, the Suns team gets a lot more consistent. And whenever I watch him play, he, he's lights out. Yes. You know, He's not the superstar on the team. He's not even the third best player on that team, and he's making plays happen. Um, so I, w- I would love to see more from McCall, um, and I think the Suns team, once he starts playing a lot better and more consistent, they're going to turn it around and shoot themselves right back up the power rankings.
1: I think yeah, I think they'll figure it out. I th- I definitely think they'll get into the playoffs still. I don't I don't see this being a season long thing, for them. So awesome. Um, our teams played each other on Wednesday yeah, and Friday last week. I'm happy. How are you uh, feeling? <sighs> I, I think I said it on the pod last week, and if I did, and I apologize. I said I'd be happy if they split. They ended up not splitting. It's tough. You don't have your best player. Jalen Brown though, was showing. I mean, I oh love the guy. God. He's showing. He honestly, I I've, I said it the other day. A lot of people are going to shake their heads because he probably won't win it. He's a he's an MVP candidate. He yep. by me by all means is an MVP candidate. He he's playing good defense. He's shooting lights out. He's getting to the rim. So. I think what really lost in that game, I know Smart on Friday had a pretty rough game. He was, you know, getting into the paint. He wasn't just heaving up threes like he does sometimes, but he made some lazy passes. His defense wasn't great. The Celtics really didn't have anyone who can stop and beat, which is a little bit of a problem. I know in the playoffs last year, they were able to shut him down, but again, they didn't have Ben Simmons. I'm not, I know there's a lot of people out there, especially after a rough game from Smart who are like, let's trade him. Let's trade him." I don't think they should trade him. I think they need no. Marcus Smart. But I think yes. they do need to get a, a a big man who can score. Tristan Thompson's defense started to look better at the end of Friday's game, but he's been looking pretty shaky. Jeff Teague isn't what the Celtics thought he was going to be. Grant Williams is being asked to start, and that's really tough for the Celtics team, especially when you go mm-hmm. up against a team with height like Philly, with Embiid, Dwight Howard coming off the bench, and Rob Williams didn't even play at all on Wednesday. so. Uh, it'll be interesting. I don't, I like the Celtics team. I mean, they came right back and beat the Cavs who would, we were just talking about with, with a hot Sexton. they, they destroyed the Cavs. They had a good win against the bulls last night with, uh, Tatum coming back. So I'm not too worried about the Celtics. They lost both games at Philly last year, um, Mm -hmm. with fans in the stands. And then we saw what happened in the playoffs. Philly was not good on the road last year. So if they can get that one seed, that'll be huge for Philly. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Philly does scare me. I know they used to not scare me in the past. I think having Doc Rivers, having a few more guys that can shoot the three, they have the depth this year. They have Danny Green, guys who won championships before Danny Green, Seth Curry's lights out, uh, and and Dwight Howard coming off the bench who also won a championship last year and championship coach and Doc Rivers. I know a lot of people like to give him shit, but they they scare me. I think I'm not worried as a Celtics fan, like I said, but Philly does scare me that they are going to be a threat this year um so hopefully again celtics though are sitting at 10 and 6 with no Kem- kemba jb and jt have not played all three together in the same game so sitting at 10 and 6 with some tough games i know they haven't you know beaten the great teams they didn't beat brooklyn they didn't beat philly but is what it is at this point what are your, what are your takeaways from it i know i'm sure you're pretty hyped about it
0: <laughs> yeah i'm very hyped i think all around besides mb's impressive performance in both games um All around, we're playing well. We're rotating well. Um, I think we need to give Tyrese Maxey more time. Um, I think Danny Green's done a good job. Uh, Dwight Howard is awesome as the backup center. Uh, I think that definitely suits his skill level now and what he can do because, great, you got to deal with a B who can shoot from three and also drive and dunk it on you. And then, oh, great, now Dwight Howard's going to come in and replace him who's just going to bother you uh, the entire game. So I think it's a great one-two punch that they bring. Um, if you can really have a one-two punch in the NBA. Um, Simmons, I would love to see more from. I know he's had his struggles this year. Um, so definitely want to see a little bit more from him. But overall, just very impressive. And in the past four games Embiid has played, he has scored 33 points or more in four of those five games. Yeah, um, that's scary. So Embiid, you could argue, is an MVP candidate. Yeah, no. Oh, absolutely.
1: absolutely. Putting up the
0: stats he is in the point line and his just his field goal percentage is just unbelievable this yeah. year. Um, I really like how he's playing, even defensively. Like normally he's lazy on defense. He's doing everything he can to make that defense click. And I think he's more. Doc motivated. Effect. Yeah, Doc Rivers effect. I think he's just more motivated this year because yeah. I think he he knew last year and a lot of that stock rivers saying um, talking to him and coaching him. But I think internally it beats a guy no matter what he says about anyone else he is his biggest criticizer and i think with his uh performance last year in playoffs he's looking at it and being like we really could have won we we could have done more if i did more
1: yeah. um those Celtics games so were close last year i know the Celtics swept them but only i think only one was like ended up more than like 10 or 15 points with final yeah. margin so um yeah, so especially I, I, if they can stay healthy no i was going to say if, if philly can stay healthy that's been their biggest mm-hmm. kryptonite lately i mean simmons was out last year i know 2 years ago they were pretty pretty much healthy but and they had Jimmy Butler two years ago too. We all forget yeah. that, but Kawhi was Kawhi.
0: Mm-hmm. But I mean, they're they're a great team. That, that's all I can really say about yeah. them. They're playing like a team, which they didn't do a whole lot of last year, and that's why they're sitting at eleven and five right now. And they're doing a great job given all the COVID situations that are happening, and even th- they're having their own COVID issues. So to Open see what six, they're doing. They're that? twelve. And, they're twelve and six. They are twelve and six. 12 oh, and six, Yeah, because they so lost. Sorry. They
1: lost last night to Detroit. Oh yeah, to oh Embiid though. I'll give them that. Like I said, I yeah. I gave the Celtics kind of a pass for not having their best player, even though Jalen Brown's making an argument that he could be their best yeah. player. But
0: yeah, and even if Jalen Brown doesn't win MVP, I think he's the he clear cut candidate for most. I love of the him, but he won't.
1: I yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. One hundred percent. Him. Um. He's definitely up there. Sexton. I know we were talking about him earlier. Yeah, he's Sexton been our hitters too. each once. I think he's up there. Uh, there was somebody else that I thought would be a good fit for that, but I'm drawing a blank on it, but I think those two are definitely right now, at least in the Eastern conference would, would be up there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one other thing I did want to say about Philly too, they kind of fall into the same boat as the Clippers though. Can they do it in the playoffs last year? Philly was great in the regular season. Got to the bubble. Couldn't really put, put wins in in a string together. So can they do it in the playoffs? It's it's kind of the the nature of the NBA. Yeah thing we'll is doc rivers couldn't get out of the second round with the clippers and he had no. kind of the blake griffin chris paul era deandre jordan era and then with one i mean he really only got one year of Kawhi and paul george but
0: yeah. you got to
1: make it to especially when you, you're up 3-1 in a series so. especially yeah yeah um but yeah it'll be interesting east is east is wide open you worried about the nets at all i know we weren't really too high on the nets as it was yeah. i know you you mentioned you you've brought up the positives of the Cavs, but any any takeaways i know they've won a few close games now they had a really good game the other night against miami Kyrie had 38 i want to say and he had a dagger
0: late uh you worried about them you think they're gonna come Uh, back around i mean i I don't think they they will (laughs) i think they will i think um, steve nash is gonna figure it out um i think this roster is gonna pull it all together eventually um and just i think it all starts honestly with kevin durant it all starts with him because James Harden can have a bad night and they can win. Kyrie can have a bad night and they can win. But when Kevin Durant has a bad night, they don't win. So I think this all kind of rests on Kevin Durant's shoulders. Yeah. On He did what sit the out that second game. Forward. Yes. Against the Cavs. So there, yeah. there is that factor to it also. But I think, um, again, it's early in the season. We have 50 games left for, for most of the teams. 52, 53 games. Um, so... Uh, we'll see what happens. I think we'll get a clearer picture by the all-star break um, when we get to the halfway yeah. point. Um, but I think the Nets are a team that can turn it around. I don't think they're going to win the East, but I think they'll definitely be no. top three. Yeah,
1: I don't think that defense is going to is gonna carry them. And it, it's, a, it's a dogfight up there. You said Philly's up it there. Is. I think the Celtics are now, with the win last night, a game back. Uh, Milwaukee's still out Fox there. They're only a game a back. Indiana still, I know. They never again. Same with them; they can never get it done in the playoffs. But they're still yeah. up there right now, so at least seating wise, they might be up there. And Toronto's starting to figure it out down in Tampa. Miami yeah. still looking a little shaky, but
0: yeah. Um, and even the Magic, after their skid, they're finally they're starting out, to figure
1: so. it out. And like the Knicks and Cavs, even are starting to play basketball. So. It'll be interesting with ten teams in it, I think. And and Gordon, Hay- Gordon Hayward, that was the most improved player. I was trying to think of. He's yes. definitely up there too. Yes. Uh, for being sure. the leader for that that Hornets team. So if they can find a way to sneak in there, maybe as a ten seed, you might see him win it. So, yeah. awesome. So, baseball, baseball, baseball. Oh boy. I'm I'm pretty pissed right now. So yeah. I, I I've had what about hour and a half to cool off, but nobody getting into the baseball Hall of Fame right now is just. Blowing my mind. Um, not that Kurt Schilling's a good guy by any means, and Barry Bonds and Clemens cheating the integrity of the game. They did cheat. They did use steroids. But it was or PEDs, I should say. Um, but I think it's it's just I, I hate how the MLB voted or the base, I should say, the baseball hall of fame voting setup. I think someone should get in every year. It always happens in football, basketball, everyone gets in, it seems like. It's just it's crazy. It's Kurt Schilling's definitely a Hall of Famer. Leave his political views aside. He he he's a Hall of Famer. He won 216 baseball games. He was great in the playoffs. He was 11 and two in the playoffs. Three World Series, co-World Series MVP with Randy Johnson. He he's a Hall of Famer. You look at guys who are in there. He's he definitely should be in there. Bonds and Clemens. It's a little bit tough because you know they were they're tied to those steroids. They're tied to that era of baseball. Bonds probably would have been a Hall of Famer regardless if he cheated. I know that's tough to say, but. He was going to hit 500 home runs. He had 500 stolen bases for his career. Who knows? He could have finished 600, 600 if he didn't use, if he didn't use Roger Clemens, same thing with the Red Sox, you know, he was this young skinny kid. You did see, start to see him bulk up and up as time went on. But, um, you know, one of the best pitchers, he won a Cy Young and MVP in 1986 with the Red Sox was an all-star bunch, you know, went up to the Yankees, won his world series there. So pitched great in Houston well into his forties. So. It's tough to see those guys not get in. I know we're still going to get the Jeter and Larry Walker induction this year, but it's, it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, there was 14 blank ballots. I'm not sure the exact number of ballots. I think Schilling ended up being 16 vo- votes shy at 71%. And for those, for those who don't know, I know there's not a lot of baseball fans who listen to this, but for those who don't know, there is the Writers Association who votes. So for example, say there's it's for easy numbers, say there's a hundred guys or hundred writers who vote. 75 or more of those writers have to vote that player in. Uh, Writers can vote for up to 10 players. There's usually about 25 to 35 guys on the ballot. This year there was only 25. So you can vote for up to 10, you can vote for five, you can vote for three, you can vote for one, you can vote for zero. So 14 guys this year decided to not check off a box, which I think is ridiculous because there's definitely, even if you're not voting for the steroid guys, there's guys on this list, Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, um i guess sheffield and manny obviously you could consider steroid guys but i think guys like that jeff kent um i think those guys are hall of famers
0: Mm -hmm. for sure and i agree and i think this this kind of comes back to the conversation like if you take steroids or peds in any context should you be allowed into the hall of fame and i think it's a good question to ask because you see guys in the NFL that maybe took PEDs once. I can't name any off the top of my head, but you never see big name guys in the NFL get into the hall of fame that use uh, mm-hmm. PEDs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't see Calvin Johnson. Obviously he's not a hall of famer, but he's in the conversation. There's no PED mark on his name. Um, Patrick Peterson is going to be hopefully considered for the hall of fame later in his career. Cause when he played, he was the best cornerback in the NFL for a long time uh it, you can argue that and say his interception numbers were low but when guys were when guys were throwing his way he had a less than 35 passer rating for almost four years straight um so you could argue that he's a hall of famer but then he used peds when he uh when he was diagnosed as diabetic try to combat that and gain that muscle mass back um yeah. and to come back from injuries so you could say like Guys that have the PD stuff aren't even considered for the NFL Hall of Fame ballot. Um, yeah. Obviously, there might be one or two anomalies that are in there, but anyone that I can name off the top of my head never had a single allegation against them. Yeah. So why is it a conversation for the MLB? But- I- it's different. It's a completely yeah. different
1: sport. It, it is. Know? I think the toughest part in baseball is there was no rules about it before yes. 2005, 2006. Guys could kind of get away. Jose Canseco, we all know, took them. So mm-hmm. there was that gray area. So that's why you're starting to see it with these guys now. So like next year, Arod and Ortiz are on the ballot. Which Arod, we all saw, got suspended. I think again, he would have been a Hall of Famer. I think David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer. We saw Frank Thomas get into the Hall of Fame as a primarily DH it's 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 tricky so i hate to see when nobody gets in i don't want to say like i'll oh, put someone in to get in but like these guys are hall of famers you're you're looking at scott roland todd helton i know you can say the cores affect all you want at todd helton but uh th- those guys are hall of famers so that that's all i'm gonna say i'm not gonna to go too much into my rant but i was i have another rant lined up too let for a little bit later but jordan who's your hitter of the week oh <laughs> uh, blue jays 100 yeah.
0: percent. they're the, the buff ones. jays yeah, making moves. Obviously, the biggest signing getting George Springer.
1: Right after uh, we stopped recording.
0: Yep, literally right after <laughs> we stopped literally. recording. Literally. Um, they got Marcus Semyon. Uh, they almost got Brantley, but now they did obviously- get Brantley. Oh no, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh no, they didn't exactly. I'm being, I'm that's being like uh, that,
1: That's baseball Twitter for yeah. It's like they yes. got Brantley. No, they didn't.
0: <laughs> no, they didn't. Um, so they, they're making a lot of moves, getting a lot of acquisitions. Um, they traded away Hector Perez. I don't know what uh what significance that is. I've never heard of him. Away. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, but they, they are making a lot of moves. I think they're a team that you could possibly fear going into this season. Um, but again, I think they uh, are. Yeah, but. I uh, Again, the NLE or excuse me, the AL East. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, yeah. I, again, it's always a toss up with who's going to be at the top. Obviously, the Yankees are always threatening. Red Sox are a team that can win it and win it yeah. all. But then the next year, go <laughs> down the shitter. Yeah. So, it's it's always a toss up for the AL East with who's going to be on top. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, the Yankees are always up there. The Rays are more consistently up there now. Orioles yeah. for a while were there, and last year, yeah. Last year, um, then maybe ten years ago, they were up there. But now, in the mid 2010s, they were low. Red Sox are always fluctuating. Yankees were a little low for a while. Yeah, so.
1: this year will be um, this year will be interesting. I lo- I like the Springer signing for them. I knew it was yep. between them and the Mets. Uh, I really like the. Brantley signing. I really wanted Brantley to come to Boston. I'm kind of pissed that he ended up back in Houston, but maybe that means Jackie Bradley's coming back to the Red Sox. Cause I know him and Ben and Tendi were both rumored to Houston. Maybe we're getting both of them back. We'll get the band back together from 2018. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that'll happen. Uh, it is look like it is looking like Benny staying put, and then Simeon that just came out about like an hour or so ago. So that's a huge signing for them. I know the Red Sox were rumored to him. The Mets again were rumored to him as well. So that's a guy top three in the MVP voting in 2019. For those of you who forget, not again, I know we don't have a lot of baseball listeners, but you guys should start watching baseball. It's, it's, it's a fun sport. It, it actually is very fun, especially come playoff time. And I think it's one of the most entertaining uh, playoffs because it's almost like March Madness, but all in one week. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the Blue Jays, I think this may have put them above the Rays. I know with the Blake Snell trading, the Rays are looking to sell pieces. They're trying to sell Kevin Kiermeyer, I heard was rumored at one point. Um, and they have a lot of young arms, so I don't know why they're trying to trade. They had one of the best pitching rotations in baseball last year, but that's kind of the nature of, of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, keeping it out east, also JT Real Muto signed a five-year, $115 million contract with the Phillies today. Huge contract. I thought the Phillies mm-hmm. were poor. Again, the Mets were rumored to <laughs> Real Muto. Um, well, the Phillies said it. I think we said it one of our first episodes that they basically were like, yeah, we're just not going to sign anybody or trade for anybody. And Bryce Harper sitting there like, really? You guys? Really? Um, but I I mean, that's a great signing. If you're the Phillies, he's the best hitting catcher. Um, Universal DH will get into, don't know if that's going to happen in the next couple of years, but if it does, uh, he's a good candidate for that first baseman. If Reese Hoskins ever leaves good option for the Phillies, good, good signing overall. Uh, I didn't know really where else he could have signed. I know the Mets signed James McCann, maybe if JT went out West, maybe the angels or something like that, but, um, that's a huge signing for, for the Phillies, uh, for the probably the best hitting catcher over the last two, three years in baseball.
0: Yeah, I mean, just great baseball moves all around, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think the Phillies are making some moves, obviously, as you were talking about. Um, the one thing I do want to talk about, the Yankees trade for James, uh, James and Talian. Um, I think it's a good pickup. And my shitter of the week for this reason is Tanaka. I think now yeah. that we bring in uh, Kluber and Talion, it's bye bye for Tanaka, which I hate to see. But again, we we're bringing in guys that we kind of need for now, and then we'll worry about the rest of it later. So, yeah. hate to see Tanaka go. I know it was a big deal when he when we did sign him. Yeah, uh, that's huge. Five or six years back, but we'll see, him, man. Yeah, I mean, no, we'll was, see how it all plays out.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could end up back with the Yankees. I doubt it. Um, I doubt it. I think I know that again. The Angels have been rumored. Uh, potentially the Mets, but again, it's all depend. I think this all depends with Trevor Bauer. I said it last week. I know we've had a lot of trades being made now, but no big name, no huge name pitchers haven't really been traded like Luis Castillo, Tanaka, just because I feel like they're waiting to see what happens with Trevor Bauer. I shouldn't say we didn't have any no names just because Blake Snell did get traded. John Lester did sign Brad hand uh, actually signed this week with the nationals yep. uh, reliever a uh, great closer with the Cleveland Indians and soon to be Cleveland baseball team spiders lebron's whatever they they get named to but, um the cleveland dog
0: waters yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean i know i think i think pittsburgh's the dog waters because they traded italian and um and they got rid of garrett cole because now that they're the yankees starting rotation so i think that's yes. pittsburgh is the dog waters uh last kind of things in baseball uh Kike hernandez getting signed by the red sox i love it i think it's a great they needed help at second base uh, World Series champ can pl- also play the outfield. So that's huge. They needed a right-handed hitter, especially if they do bring Jackie Bradley Jr. back. So I think that's huge. Um, and then the Red Sox and Yankees made a trade. <laughs> yeah. Adam yeah. Adovino coming to Boston. I, I love it personally. I-, I think a lot of Still people picking. are like, yeah, they're like, oh, you had a shit year last year. It's like, all right, right, we'll look at it. I mean, 60 game season, a lot of guys had shit years last year that you didn't think were going to have shit years last year. The Red Sox got him. I think he's making about $9 million. The Yankees are paying about 800000 of it. And the Red Sox got a prospect in addition to it. So mm-hmm. I like it from the Red Sox point of view. Uh, I think that way now they can, if they want to, they can keep him. If The Red Sox are competitive in 2021, which we're not too sure about. Uh, I think they can keep him uh, and use him down the stretch if they are not competitive and he has a good year, like he did in 2018 and 19, they could trade him and turn him for even more prospects. So I think it's good for us. I think it's a win for the Yankees too. They get a little bit of a salary dump. They already have a deep bullpen as is. Uh, So I think, I think it helps them. They get a little bit more, I think they're now four or 5 million under the luxury tax so that's probably why again they're not going to sign tanaka just so they stay under the luxury tax yep. um and don't get hit they hard there even though they are the yankees yeah uh, doesn't hurt to be under that luxury tax because basically you pay Never. a pretty high premium every year you go over that luxury tax and it just keeps going up and up hence why the red sox decided to trade mookie bets yes for <laughs> um sure. yeah uh last two things i guess in baseball sorry to keep you non-baseball people on I uh, did just want to say Hank Aaron, we all know, um, passed away, I believe it was on Friday of last week. Yep. Um, so he was, in my opinion, the greatest baseball player ever. I know a lot of people will say have their opinions on that, but I, I think that I thought mm-hmm. that many years ago, we were just talking about Barry Bonds. I mean, Hank Aaron's second all time on the home run list. In my mind, he's still first, no offense to Bonds, but the steroids did help him get, 100 or so of those home runs in my opinion so i think hank aaron's there he's still the all-time rbi leader still the all-time total base leader played 22 seasons in the mlb 23 Mm -hmm. 20 23 and he was an all-star 21 of those years yeah between 1955 and 1975 he was an all-star and really it wasn't like any of those were like pity all-stars 305 career hitter uh I mean, he didn't, he never hit over 50 home runs and he's the all-time home run leader. He had a bunch of years of 40 home runs, I believe. Yeah, I believe he had five or six years of 40 home runs. Um, Never, only won one MVP award too, but it just shows the consistency. He was in the top 10 of the MVP voting multiple times. Like I said, was an all-star, won a couple of gold gloves. I believe he won two batting titles as well. Won a world series in 1957, three-time gold glove. So I mean great life great career there's an award named after him Mm -hmm. so i mean you can always say anytime anyone has an award named after yourself it's 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 an honor and it's accomplishment so um huge huge shout out for a great life great career um started out in the negro leagues too i know a lot of people forget that so Mm -hmm. you know just a just a real ambassador for the game And, and you know i know jackie robinson gets a lot of credit for breaking the color barrier but hank aaron grew up or played you know facing a lot of racism and a lot of you know, crap from people too, that he didn't deserve. So, um, just, it's a sad loss in the baseball world. It definitely is is saddening to see a guy like that go.
0: Yeah. And again, I didn't know too much about him until recently, obviously. Um, but he, from what I've read and what I've seen in the stats and just hearing about him as a person, um, just a great ambassador for the sport of baseball and obviously showed it on and off the, uh, off the diamond. So yeah. Great career for Hank Aaron. Great life as you were saying. Uh rest in peace. Um yeah, that that's really all I got. Um for that.
1: Yeah. And then I guess the last rant I have, and Jordan, I'll let you do all the late hits because I feel like I've been ranting a lot. Today. Oh, you're fine.
0: Do you think um more?
1: the MLB Players Association? And this is part of the reason why a lot of you probably aren't baseball fans, because you'll claim baseball is boring to watch and things don't matter in it during the regular season or Things you know aren't as interesting, and basically the Players Association rejected expanding the playoffs. Which I can go into that a little bit if you don't mind me, Jordan. Go
0: for but it. Hey, basically, this is your floor, bro.
1: And basically, right now, how the playoffs are set up. And if you watched any baseball in 2020, scratch that playoff format. It was different. It was a shortened season. But basically, how the playoffs work for those who are listening. There's three divisions, and there's the American League and the National League. So two. Uh, Leagues, basically, if you ever watch football, it's basically like having two conferences. Uh, In baseball, there's three divisions in each league, so there's the West, Central, and East. Uh, So in total, there's six divisions, two leagues. How it works is in the American League, all your division winners make the playoffs. In the National League, all your division winners make the playoffs. And then from there, there's two wildcard teams. So in the AL, the next two best records make the playoffs, regardless of division. It could be the second and third place team in one division. It could be two second place teams. They make the playoffs, same in the National League. How it works right now is those two wildcard teams play a wild card playoff game. They play one game. Um, they get into the playoffs. If they lose, they go home. They win. They play the one seed in that division. And then from there, it's eight teams. First round's three out of five, second round's four out of seven. World Series is four out of seven. What they did this past year, they ended up just doing eight teams just because it was only a 60 game season. I think 16 teams is too many for the MLB playoffs. I really do. I don't like how in the NBA, more than half the teams make the playoffs. I get this year, there's more teams just due to COVID in a shortened season. But I think in reality, I think a good number for baseball, and this is my idea. So uh, Rob Manfred, if you're listening, uh, take notes. I think that in baseball, there should be six playoff teams in the American League, six teams in the National League. How it should work is there should be, uh, the top two teams, kind of like the old football playoff format, should get by. So the top two division winners in the American League and National League should get a bye. From there, I think that if you are the third place division winner, so if you're the third best division winner out of the other two, you should have to play in a wild card round. I don't think it should be one game because you play in baseball, you play 162 games. In a year and i think you need to play like i think to have w- your season come down to one game and it's not like a tiebreaker game is ridiculous if it's a tiebreaker game that's a different story for a playoff game i think that's nuts so i think the three seed so the top division winner should play the lowest wild card team so the six seed and then there should be the four and five seed you can call it mm-hmm. i think they should play a two out of three and then from there they'll go into their eight four two in the world series and and so on and, and the same format i think I think the reason they should do this is it eliminates in baseball. I've seen a couple of times there's been division winners, specifically the 2018 Cleveland Indians and the 2017 Nationals who basically locked up their division in August. And for those who don't know, the season usually ends late September, early October. They, those teams wrapped up their division in August, basically. They knew they were making the playoffs. I think in 2017, the Nationals clinched almost more than a month before. And unlike football, you know, we are trying to get buys. Once you win that division, you're guaranteed five games in the playoffs. I think it keeps it interesting down the stretch and teams like the, those national teams and those Indian teams have to actually keep playing and try to catch up to those top teams because the like, for example, and not being a biased Red Sox fan, but the Red Sox won 108 baseball games in 2018. They had to play the 100-win Yankees and then they had to play the 103-win Astros to get to the World Series where the Cleveland Indians won 92 baseball games and just based off of the seeding, were able, were basically got the three seed, the Astros who won 103 games that year, who had a, the second best record got to play a better team than the Red Sox did or worse team than the Red Sox did in the, in the American League division series. Granted the Red Sox ended up winning, but just things like that. I think baseball needs to work out. Um, so they didn't agree to the expanded playoffs. And then anyone who knows what the designated hitter rule is basically in the national league, you need to, uh, pitchers need to hit In 2020, they had a universal DH between both leagues um that worked out well a lot of players liked it just due to the shortened season they didn't want pitchers getting injured as much having to run bases swing bats things like that and they thought we thought that it was going to be a shoe-in lock-in that there would be a a dh in both leagues and sure enough there wasn't so yes that's my rant that's my two cents i think it's ridiculous i think it's better for baseball to have the dh i think it it just brings more entertainment to the game it gives guys more jobs um it does. Yes, it does take some strategy out of the game for National League teams, but in all other sports, there's not it's not like in football, you know, you play with 10 guys in the NFC and 11 guys in the AFC like it's just rules like that, that just it, it it's part of baseball, but I, I don't like it. And I think the universal DH is just good for baseball.
0: Yeah, I like that AFC NFC argument, obviously being a football guy, but it's something that's irked me my entire life as a on and off baseball fan. Um, I think it's definitely something that does add another element to the game. Like, yes, like strategy is a little weird from there, but at the end, like most guys are putting their pitchers in the ninth or eighth slot, you know, like it's very rare. You see pitcher get moved up, obviously more recent years, guys are getting moved up the lineup. But typically when you think of a pitcher in a batting lineup, depending who it is, they're near the bottom. So, which does bring a little bit of strategy, like who you put at your leadoff spot, who you put at the spot before the pitcher. It definitely adds another element to it. But I think with the DH, you get a more solidified role into your batting rotation. You kind of know what to expect from your DH. You can interchange the DH with almost any position on the field and any player on your team. Uh, some guys that normally wouldn't get reps on the field can get in reps at DH and show that they have batting power. And if they improve on their fielding, can move into the field, obviously. Um, I think it's it's a toss-up between strategy and development. And I think in today's MLB, with trying to get more fans and get more people to watch, I think you go for development and you go for the bat and you go for exactly. the – exactly. You know, I think it's just better for the sport. Obviously, the strategy is a whole other part of it, but you can get strategies without having a pitcher in the lineup, you know? And for anyone that's not a big fan of baseball, I got back into it because of John Boy Media. He did not pay us to say this.
1: Uh, He (laughs) He wouldn't pay us, Jordan. We're not. I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if you haven't watched any of John Boy's uh, videos on YouTube, Go ahead and look it up. That's J-O-M-B-O-Y. Um, he's absolutely hilarious. He's definitely – and he doesn't just – he's not just funny. He does actual breakdowns yeah. of baseball videos and why certain things happen in certain situations. He'll bring stats into it. He'll bring in previous situations into it. It's just – and he's very funny. Like it's its the perfect way to understand baseball from a layman's perspective. Yeah, That's the best way I can put it.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I I agree with that. Like I said, the DH, I think just it creates more jobs too. Um, Now with players with the injured list getting more injured than probably guys in the 70s and 80s and even like the 60s when there wasn't a DH, I I think I don't get why the Players Association would reject that because it's probably going to help the longevity of National League pitchers. Um, And it's going to create jobs for hitters. I know you might be taking jobs away from some relief pitchers potentially because you might want an extra hitter on your roster rather than an extra pitcher in the National League. But I mean, guys, it might extend some guys' careers, guys, you know, like JD Martinez, Nelson, Nelson Cruz is 42, still hasn't signed with a team, but one of the best pure hitters in baseball, one of the best power hitters, I should say, in baseball. Uh, part of the reason now he's probably going to sign an American League team, but if he was, you know, the National League had a universal DH, that's an extra 15 jobs for the guy, potentially. So I think, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't do it because it's like so late in the, or so late in the offseason, you don't want to like jump into 2021 and putting a national league teams at a disadvantage, especially with how much interleague play there is. But maybe, I mean, at least announce, okay, in 2022, we'll have the universal DH. Like, stop waiting, stop, like, get it done. Like, figure it out. Okay, we don't have it in 2021, what are we doing for 2022? What are we doing for 2023? Um, same with the playoffs, because you can't just expand the playoffs because it, it changes teams dynamic. If eight teams mm. make the playoffs in each league, a team like the Red Sox, for example, who probably aren't gonna be competing this year, you know, maybe think, okay, maybe if we had a pitcher here, a pitcher there, we sneak in as a seven seed and we win the world series. Who knows? So just think baseball needs to be a little bit more proactive with this.
0: Yeah. And I think expanding to 16 teams is not I, a good look. I don't,
1: I don't like that. And either. half
0: the teams in the league are making it. Yeah,
1: no, I, I don't, no? I don't like that either. I like, I like how they did it in 2020 because you're only playing a 60 game season and it ended up being the two one seeds in the, in the world series anyways. But I, I, I don't like 16 teams either. I think 12 is a good, happy medium. Um, because you're not letting half the league in, but um, you're not rewarding those three-seed division winners who only win 85 games when the rest of the league's winning
0: 90-plus. So, Exactly.
1: There's, there's my baseball rant. So those of you who uh, who will hopefully start to watch a little bit more baseball with me, me yapping about it so you know what I'm talking about. Jordan, mm-hmm. I'll shut up now. Any late hits?
0: <laughs> you're good, yeah. Um, I got a couple. Uh, Ted Thompson, longtime Packers GM, uh, also passed away this week. Um, I believe he got, he drafted Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, Jairi Alexander, and I want to say one more critical player on that team. Um, I don't think he, I don't think he drafted Aaron Rodgers. He might have, but a lo- their best players, he was the reason they were selected. Um, I yeah. think he's someone that um, was one of the best GMs. He did win a Super Bowl with the Packers um, in forty uh, the 45 Super Bowl. So a uh, shout out to him for a great career as a GM and obviously yeah. rest in peace. Um, I think the uh, something I want to talk about because it is this Sunday is the Pro Bowl. Um, I, I personally don't mind the Pro Bowl. I think it's a fun game to watch because you just get to see NFL athletes who are always going hard. Just fuck around and do what they want. Um, JJ, uh, all the celebrations are great. J.J. Watt a couple of years ago do this, doing the surfing celebration. Uh, we saw an offensive lineman score touchdown about 10 years ago. So obviously they're a little bit less more on that fun side where guys aren't messing around. I think mm-hmm. it's more
1: Jordan, you are frozen on my zoom screen, sir.
0: Talked about last week, uh, four, three and three, four defenses. I don't know if I cut out or not. Cause it says my internet connection. You did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I don't okay. know if the fans at home heard you. So, uh, I want to say that okay. again. I know we, you... we left off at J.J. Watt.
0: <laughs> yeah, so J.J. Watt uh, doing some fun celebrations with uh, surfing and stuff like that. Surfing. Um, yeah, uh, we saw some offensive linemen score touchdowns uh, a couple of years back. So, But the process to put people in the Pro Bowl is pretty terrible. I like having it as a fan vote, but if you're not truly going going to appreciate that fan vote, then don't have it. Zach Cunningham and Mekhi Becton for their positions got the most votes, but were not selected to the Pro Bowl, which blows my mind to think about. So if you're going to let certain players into the Pro Bowl, even though they didn't get the most votes, why aren't other players who are are more deserving to get into the Pro Bowl knock it in? Specifically, Robert Tunyon for the Packers outplayed Evan Ingram on a game-by-game basis and overall through the season. Does not get into the Pro Bowl. DeForest Buckner is the best defensive tackle in the AFC. Does not get voted into the Pro Bowl. Um, Jesse Bates was the best safety in football this year. Does not get voted into the Pro Bowl. Like, there are guys that should be in the Pro Rodrigo Bowl. Rodrigo Blankenship. Rodrigo Blankenship. <laughs> That's a great example. I get Jason right on the pod. another one. Um, so, like, and Tyler Ott, he's a good snapper, but... There are snappers in the NFC that are better, that are more deserving. You know, like it's to me, I'm just like, come on, there's gotta be a better decision process to this. Obviously, you can have it from a popularity standpoint, but then the Steelers get five guys in, three of which shouldn't be in. The Ravens had the most. There are guys on the Ravens that shouldn't have been in. Calais Campbell had the worst year of his NFL (laughs) career this year. And he gets into the Pro Bowl. Like, he's just a big boy. I love Calais. Don't get me wrong, I think awesome player but had the worst season of his career it just blows my mind how the process is. and then the positioning if we took it from a how let's take it from play style because last week we talked about four three and three four the difference between those and how an outside linebacker in a four three is different from a three four um so if you look at it based on what players do for their position Uh, there are for both the AFC and the NFC, there are three defensive tackles or interior defensive linemen, six edge rushers and two true linebackers for both teams. When they voted in four linebackers for each team uh, or no, five linebackers for each team, uh, three defensive tackles and three defensive ends or edge rushers. So it, Positional wise, it doesn't make sense. They should have it set up as interior defensive linemen, edge rushers, and true linebackers. That's the three they should base it off, not just based off defensive tackle, defensive end linebackers. You get get guys like TJ Watt who aren't second level linebackers who have to play there because that's where their position got voted to for the Pro Bowl. I just think it's it's a dumb – the Pro Bowl uh, selection process is very dumb. I do not like it whatsoever.
1: Would you call it dog water?
0: I would call it dog <laughs> water. <laughs> it's so free, freer than in a than Aaron yeah. of bag of lace chips. Yeah. Um, but a uh, couple last things to note. Um, Hornets Magic is going to be the first game to have two female officials. Natalie Sago, or Sago. sorry if I'm messing that up, and Jenna Schroeder. That's going to be awesome. I believe, was it Sean Davis? I feel like I'm messing that up. Um, is going to be... Yeah. He's going to be the main ref. Um, I know his first name, Sean. I'm not sure what his last name is. I think it's very ge- generic, like Smith or Davis, one of those. Um, and then, obviously, today, January 26th, is yeah. one year since the passing of Kobe Oof. Bryant. Uh, yeah. Just quick, I'm going to ask you, and then I'll give mine. Yeah. What do you think about when you hear the phrase Maba mentality?
1: Um, I mean, obviously, I think of Kobe. I don't know. Just... Just work ethic, I would say, between you, you heard, I mean, even before he died and before he passed away, you heard people talk about how he, you know, with his, with his company, he was trying to learn so many languages. He was coaching his daughter's basketball team. Obviously he was, you know, still waking, he was retired. He was a retired NBA superstar for the Lakers and retired and still waking up at four 30 in the morning, doing workouts, being the first one in the office um making movies like he he made that that short basketball film and I think it won um I excuse me for my award knowledge but it was an Emmy or an Oscar um Oscar Oscar. so you know just just really that work ethic I think when you think of him you just think you know no one's gonna outwork you no one's gonna you know stop you there
0: yeah and I I gotta agree with you there I think it is about um, working hard, having the right mentality, and just being a dog and going and grinding your ass off every single day, and being at the top of your game and never settling for anything less than success. Yeah. Um, so, and I know when I was first getting into sports, Kobe Bryant was one of the first names I ever heard in all of sports. And the, in the NBA, it's very rare you see one a player stick out with one team his entire career. And Kobe yeah. Bryant. He didn't settle. He, he wasn't like, I'm not going to go ring chase. I'm going to make a team win. And he ended up winning his fair share of championships. Along the um, yeah, so Kobe Bryant, obviously one of the greatest basketball players ever. Um, definitely top three, top five in a lot of people's list. He's personally in my top three. Um, Love what he did for the game. Love what he was as a person. And I think when you hear stories from other NBA stars and other celebrities about their interactions with Kobe, everything's positive you know yeah. so it's kobe's one of a kind human being one of a kind athlete Mo- most likely never see the type of showmanship and type of level of talent that we saw from kobe ever again mixed into one human being so yeah shout out to kobe um i don't want to end the episode on a on a bad note so i want to i don't want to say bad but on a sad note yeah no. um so i do want to actually talk about nba stars um there are some of them getting old yeah there there is some getting old uh for the people at home who can't see we i actually have an entire spreadsheet set up on the google doc of different ages and how many players are each age we're not going to go through every i have a good one
1: i have a good idea jordan let's let's play a game with the listeners all right we'll go through about five how about this sounds good i'll say a player We'll pause for five seconds. Let the, let the listeners at home try and guess the age of this NBA player without looking it up.
0: I love that idea. And then you
1: say the answer. So I'll throw I'll throw up a five-second. All right, ready? Uh, let's good. start. And I'm not going to start with the obvious ones. Like, we all know LeBron's 36. So, like, mm-hmm. that's all ESPN ever talks about. All right, so let's start. Let's go Paul Millsap.
0: 35. Paul 35 Millsap is... 35 years old. 35 years old. Let's go to uh Let's go to Dwight Howard.
1: Dwight Howard, Ooh, I remember his days with the Orlando Magic. Led them to a finals in 2009. Pretty sure he won a defensive player of the year. Dwight Howard is 34 years old. Mm-hmm. 34 years young, you should say. He's still young, at heart. young. All right, let's see here. Three more players, three more players. Here's a go one. Ooh, I, Derrick Rose.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. Derrick
1: Rose, I remember he got to the NCAA championship. I'm not going to say which year because it might give his age away, but with Memphis and lost to Kansas on Mario Chalmers, his buzzer beater that sent it to overtime. Uh, Derrick Rose is 32 years
0: old. Yeah, Derrick Rose is getting up there in age. I got a fun one for you. I don't think a lot of people are going to get this right. How about DeMar DeRozan? DeRozan. Let's try to guess what age he is.
1: Let's see, DeMar DeRozan. I'm trying to think of fun facts about DeMar DeRozan. I mean, he had a pretty solid career uh with the with the Raptors. He's with the Spurs now. Led the Raptors to their first ever Eastern Conference finals appearance. DeMar DeRozan. Uh actually I'm I wouldn't say I'm shocked by this one. He's thirty one.
0: Yeah, he's thirty one. I feel like I started learning about DeMar DeRozan later in his career rather than earlier. So I, I this one surprised me. I thought he was like twenty eight. I was like, yeah. oh, he's not that old. Thirty one years old. I that's see, getting, yeah, up there. I can see
1: him being that old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I'm going to go with the last one, uh, go for it. the face of the OG face of NBA memes. So you want to think this guy's been probably in his like 60s at this point, but the OG face of NBA memes, JaVel McGee.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. I like that one.
1: How old is JaVale, Jordan?
0: He is 33 years old.
1: Yeah. Awesome. JaVel so McGee.
0: Yeah. Fun stat. Based on who I think is a star in the NBA, I have 39 names on here. Uh, 19 of those 39 players started their career at age 20 or younger. Um, There's a couple of guys I have on here. um, uh, Brooke and Robin Lopez both started before the age of 19. Um, there's a couple of international players on here, like uh, Bohan. Uh, is it Bojan or Bohan? It's Bojan, I think it's right? Bojan. Yeah, Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, he started his career overseas under mm-hmm. the age of 20, but came to the M- NBA after he turned 20. He's not included in those 19. But there are some guys that have a professional basketball career that did start under the age of 20, uh, more than what I have listed. So half of these guys um, fall into that category. Um, and all 90, or all 39 of the guys I have here are about are 30 or older. So I think we're going to see a lot of stars start to retire a lot earlier than what we're expecting. Uh, most notably, guys like Derek Rose probably going to retire early. Kevin Love might. I think Al Horford's on his last year or two.
1: Yeah, he's going to play out that contract because he's got he 90 mil sure. coming his way. So I don't, I don't, I, even if he doesn't even play, if he's injured for all those years, but. That's what it comes down exactly. to with a lot of these guys too is is the money. Obviously, I mean they're all multimillionaires. A lot of the guys we just mentioned, um, but we'll see what happens. I think I think LeBron. I think LeBron's goal is to play with Brownie.
0: Yeah, that's the that, goal. That'd be awesome. You know, yeah. I don't think LeBron's gonna tire within the next three years, but. No. He- you know that could be a possibility um Iguadala is also 36 um Lamarcus Aldridge yeah. which I think people knew was pretty old he's 35 sorry, I thought Igudala was like um, 50
1: yeah. <laughs> I yeah, honestly Iguodala's thought he was like 45 50 whatever
0: yeah he's up there um Haslam obviously 40 years old um I thought he was like 30. 70 yeah yeah <laughs> and Chris Paul boring. obviously up there in age, but like a lot of these names are like guys you think are a little bit younger than what they actually are. Obviously they've been been in the league a long time, but um even Eric Bledsoe's up there. He's 31 years old. Yeah. Damian that
1: that one surprised me.
0: Yeah. Damian Lillard, your MVP is 30, you Damn. know, like Dame Lillard
1: just had a kid though. So he's going to have dad yeah, strength now. So that MVP oh, yeah, picks looking <laughs> real good right now. Dame Lillard with dad strength, McCollum out, Nur- Nurkic out, dad strength, hundred percent, dropping 35 the rest of the season. Love that.
0: Yep. (laughs) And then yeah, I mean there's guys like Steph Curry, who's obviously thirty-two, he's getting up there. Um, John Wall is thirty years old already. So there's a lot of guys that are getting really up there in age. What were you gonna say, Jeff? Those
1: of you listening. Um, I know this isn't a live podcast, but we have breaking news in the MLB. We finally got something before our podcast ended. Ooh, what happened? It's not Trevor Bauer. It's and signed a ten, a one-year, ten million dollar deal with the Twins. Oh, that's fine though. Um, it's good for him. I have a feeling that Trevor Bauer is going to sign within the next twenty-four hours, though, because mm-hmm. that's just the nature of this podcast
0: it is. We'll see what happens.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's everything I got, man. Yeah. Same. Uh, You guys heard my rants. I don't have any late hits. I guess basically my late hit was my MLB rant. So thank you as always to everybody for listening to the show. Hope my mic sounded good. This episode did not sound like dog water. So Happy to, to be producing the show. Um, we got some uh, potential guests coming on in the near future, probably after the Super Bowl. Just want to mm-hmm. shout out um, the Sliced Apple podcast. I'm going to be a guest on them. I don't know if you'll be joining me, Jordan. It's a little bit later at night on Thursday, but we'll be joining on them Thursday? for some Super Bowl coverage. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, yep. But some Super Bowl coverage on Thursday. Um, we're trying to get the fourth and long radio on here for a potential uh, fantasy sports draft that you guys might like. And then the Jazz Notes. Uh, looping up as they start to play Eastern conference teams, maybe we'll loop up with them and do a joint episode. Um, I don't know if they play Philly and the Celtics super close together, but I know they have the Celtics coming up in, in Utah soon. So it will be interesting to start collaborating with, uh, our friends there. Any, any final words, Jordan?
0: No, again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, It's going to be a great Super Bowl. I know it's obviously next episode we're going to cover a lot more of that. But NBA season's finally underway. MLB, we're finally getting some traction. There's going to be a lot more news in the NFL when it comes to player acquisition um, and all that jazz. And especially with the draft, it adds a whole other element to it. So I think it's going to be a great change of pace going from only news in one sport and only games in the other sport, and then the mix of both in the middle to completely flip everything. It'll be a great change of pace, and I think – For us, it's going to be a lot more fun um, going forward.
1: Yeah. Well, for everyone listening, thank you all so much. Watch your baseball and get Rod on the pod.